Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. I am Zach Weaver, and you are listening to the Friday Follow-Up for Season 14, The Reply Brief. Today, we're discussing Episode 14, which is Jennifer Pusateri's full recorded interview. We've discussed this interview before, but this is the first time this audio has been heard by the public. We have a lot of great questions this week, and joining me, as always, to get these questions answered is Bob Ruff and Janet Varney. But before we do that, let's tackle some housekeeping. The only major thing we have going right now is we were just let know by Jennifer in the chat that Jamie Snow, if you guys remember all, a while back, they filed a motion for some DNA testing in his case. That's our season seven case, if you guys aren't, aren't familiar with it. On February 29th, they finally have that hearing to get that DNA testing done. So that's coming up in um, less than a month, about four weeks or so from now, we have Jamie Snow getting his uh, hearing. So we'll stay on top of that and let you guys know how that's going. Other than that, this is not a housekeeping thing, but something that's just, it's on the top of my mind about the, these episodes we're putting out with the interviews right now. Something I just noticed and I want to, I want to blurt it out before I forget. And I'm going to, I'm actually playing, think I'm going to try to make like a little video to demonstrate what I'm talking about right, to put, and put on social media or maybe even on YouTube when I get a minute. But for those of you that have been listening since season one or listened to season one, you might remember we had a long conversation about in Jay's first interview, they get about 35 minutes into it, and Ritz says, oh, the tape's about to run out. We're going to flip the tape over, and then they stop and turn over, and I made a b- big deal about it back then. I was like, that it doesn't seem like 35 minutes is a weird time for the tape, and we were like looking to see what types of tapes they could use and or if they were just stopping the tape so that they could feed it, because remember when they when from the transcript episode this season... When they flip the tape back over, then he just starts blurting out. Is there anything else you want to discuss? Uh, yeah, I just I remember that he was wearing red gloves and he just like and he spits out some bullet pointed stuff. So it always seemed very suspicious to me that they turned the tape off. Well, now that I have the audio for for what you guys for you guys to understand, the way that these they digitize these audio tapes is you literally have to take an analog tape player and then run like through you know whatever the output is through a digital converter into a computer, and you have to just play it and hit record on the other end of it to record that audio. When you do that, it just plays it out to the end of the tape. So like when you stop the tape, it still it still records the entire side of the tape. So you can see where they stop the tape and then how much longer the tape continues to go. There's little artifacts in on the tape, like as a tape's going, like you have little crackles and stuff like that. Oh. You can see that in the sound waves. So you can, see, you can see in the sound waves that the tape is still running, even though there's nothing there. Well, since last week I had to go in and edit Jen's first interview that you guys just heard. Hers, as you remember, like they were in mid-sentence and her her tape just stopped. So I, I could see that on it and there's nothing at, at the end of the audio. Like after it stops, that's the end of the track. That's the end of everything. You can see like the pop where it stopped and that was it. And it's about 49 minutes or so. Well, then this week I threw up Jay's interview to start working on it. And it runs for about 35 minutes. And then he says he's going to stop the tape. And then you can see on the audio waves, they stop the tape and the tape keeps going for 15 more minutes. You can lay his track on top of Jen's track and see it was the same type of tape, the same length. No question about it. You can see when they said the tape was about to run out and they stopped it and fast forward and flipped it over, mm-hmm. the tape was only two thirds through. So it's like a, you know, a 49 minute, not even two thirds through. 49 minute tape at 35 minutes, they stopped it and it still had damn near 20 minutes left to go. It was like 18 or 19 or something minutes left, left in. I don't remember the number, but it was just crazy when I laid them on top of each other 
that you could see without question when he said the tape was about to run over and he stopped it, that the tape was not even close to being about to run out. When he comes back in the interview, they only talk for like another 10 minutes. Like that, that whole rest of that interview could have continued on hmm. still before that tape ran out. But that's just something I wanted to put out there. I'll probably talk about it more. I'll put out a, a social media post or a YouTube video when I get a chance to where I can lay it out and show you guys. I don't know how well you're understanding how I'm explaining it. But to me, it was shock. It, it was vindicating to me because I had this whole suspicion and conversation eight years ago when I put the audio files next to each other. I'm like, aha, they did. They stopped the tape waiting when it was not even close to running out, in my opinion, as an excuse, because they knew they needed Jay to say more stuff on the record that he mm -hmm. hadn't said. So they stopped the tape, fed him what else they wanted him to say. And then flipped it over and played it. And it's without question. That's without question. What's happened is that when they stopped the tape, it was nowhere close to the end. There was plenty of wow. time left and they flipped it over. So is there um, any reason? I mean, just to be devil's advocate, like there could be something we don't know. Right. I mean, just like in terms of like this is what that like they're they maybe don't see it right or they're like overly cautious I mean, or like there's this audio thing that you don't know about about. I don't know. Yeah. I not that I'm aware. I'm I just mean, trying to come up with whatever. Maybe they just other people maybe they say. just assumed it. But it yeah. seems like if they work with tapes and they do this all the time that and, and if you remember from back when you know you and I used cassette tapes in our in our youth, you can see the tape. Like you can see how much is left <laughs> I know. on it. Like I know. So yeah, I have no idea. Hmm. I, I don't know why that happened. I suspect why it happened, but it's it's it becomes even more suspicious to me that when they had over 15 minutes of tape left that they said it was about to run out, stop it, yeah. fast forward it, flip it over, and then, oh, yeah, here's a bunch of things that I wanted to, it was, I, I, was, I was just meaning to tell you, these right. boom, 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 boom things that uh, need to bolster the story. Yeah, yeah I, I can mean, see if it yeah. was like a couple minutes. You know what I mean? Like if it was right. a couple minutes, they could maybe like, oh, it looks like it's about to run out. Right. But yeah. 15, there still would be a good amount of tape on it. Yeah. Like, like you said, visually looking at it, there would still be a good amount of tape on it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Considering there's only been 30 minutes, 35 minutes used and mm -hmm. there's still 15 minutes of it left. I would have conceded the the fact maybe they just used a shorter tape than they used with Jen. If I could see that only only ran another minute. No, if, for sure. If they're like, we're going to get into some more stuff. I can see there's only a little bit of tape left. So let's yeah. flip this thing over. But that was certainly not the case. Yeah. With that being said, I don't think that I, for the, just how the sausage is made, if I'm missing anything, it's because we've discovered that these Wednesday afternoons are terrible for <laughs> everyone. I was, I was 20 minutes late. Janet was just scrambling, getting work done until I, I mean, Zach was the only one here close to on time today. So we're all kind of chasing our tails a little bit, but next week we're back to normal, right? So Janet and I will start our live stream at the usual time on, on Tuesday evening. And then Zach will come in before we start the actual show. So that'll be next week. Other than that, both of you guys, it's the first time either one of you have heard this interview for yourself. And since we always go to Zach first because everything else is new to him, this is new to you too, Jana. What did you think when you actually heard it for yourself? I listened to it three times. I wish I could say that that made me feel confident in the exact logic of the story. I took some notes. Zach, I feel like you've been doing a lot of really good note taking already. So I feel like you're in better practice than I am for this kind of thing, <laughs> like of hearing something fresh for the first time. I mean, certainly, yes, there are segments that I've heard over and over, but they're very small segments. Yeah, it was um, pretty hard to follow in, right. in, at many points. And we have a ton of listener questions and comments. So I apologize in advance. I tried to like condense some of them and sort of group some of them together. And some of them we just won't get to. But 
this is definitely something that many people were interested in and many people had a lot of thoughts and questions about. Yeah. So I'm not as well versed as ever, like is the rest of you guys on this case. So for me, it, there's a lot of learning in here. So there's there's some stuff that I probably missed, but there were some interesting points through the, the recording that I noticed. There were several times where she said probably or we probably, mm-hmm. where it really felt like you're guessing at what's happening. Now, I, I will concede that it has been over a month or a month and a half or whatever it has been since the day of it in question. Right. So, yeah, there is some, I don't want to say guesswork, but there's some guesswork. But um, there were several times where she said, uh, probably, we probably did this. Yeah. Which, I don't know, felt like a lot of guesswork to me in there. And those are things that we key in when I'm doing statement analysis from, uh, even from a transcript. You're looking for those qualifiers. You know, the, those, aren't, those aren't things people say usually if they're remembering an event that they lived through. Like, we did this. If there's a qualifier for our actual memory, you expect to hear things like, I think we did this. When you hear we probably did this, generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, that's not somebody recalling something that actually happened. They're recalling something they've created. A, you know, or just trying to figure, just knowing. I mean, I feel like Adnan says that when he's talking to Sarah. Like, I think doesn't he at some point say like I probably would have gone to the library or I probably ex- would have. So it's like exactly. that means you just don't know at all. But like all you can look at is your common behavior and hope that that's a representation of what maybe happened that day, right? The difference is with Adnan, what Adnan is saying is what he has said is, I don't remember what I did that day, which is when you use those qualifiers, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. So I probably would have done this. Mm-hmm. The difference is Jen saying, I do remember what I did that day. And I probably, probably would have done this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's, there, that's the, the difference here. Because it, it's not like somebody says probably that's a bad thing. It's when they're claiming that this is something that they know happened, and then they're using that where it becomes something to pay closer attention to. And, mm-hmm. and Valeria in the chat just brought it up, and I have it in my notes too, is that she has a really hard time remembering the day. Not what happened the day, but like the day. She's like, they're asking her what she did. And she's like, well, I don't, if it was a Saturday or Sunday, I wouldn't have done this. But if it was during the week, I would have done this. And What would you do the next day? Well, I don't know if it was a Friday, maybe, you know, like she has no clue what day any of it happened was. And then they ask her, they said, well, how do you know it was the 13th? And they said, well, yesterday when we talked, like the officer told me that Adnan's called me on the 13th. So that's how I know it was the 13th. And they they even, they even asked her, they said, so you don't remember it like being the day after Jay's birthday? She's like, no, I don't remember that. Yeah. She said, I wouldn't remember that, which is interesting. Mm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean anything. I just thought it was interesting. Like, no, I would never remember that it was after his birthday. I'm like, what? Yeah. That's the thing that I would think you would remember. Yeah, you'd think that. I, but I don't know. But yeah, essentially, like Caroline saying in the chat, like, you know, she says she knows it was the 13th because they told her it was the 13th when it happened. But she does have, to be fair, like, if she's trying to be truthful, that's an anchor, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's not police manipulation. If they're like, I know this stuff happened on, on a day. I know Adnan called me on this day. And they're like, well, I can show you on the phone records that Adnan's phone called you on the 13th okay then it was the 13th like that's that's very similar to us saying coach Sai knows that it was on a warm 55 degree day when we had track practice and it was during ramadan like we use those anchors to figure the day so i don't have a problem with how she got to it being that day were there parts i, I mentioned at the beginning in the intro and i don't know if you guys if, if you guys had any thoughts on this but when i was listening to it there's parts where i'm like i think she's telling the truth i think she is trying to tell the truth and weirdly for me, it's not weird if you if you do a lot of statement analysis, the parts where I think she's telling the truth is where she doesn't know what's going on. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't remember, like, 
I think we went, no, we might have, like, that's, yeah, that's what it sounds like when someone is genuinely trying to remember an actual event that they, that they participated in, that they they experienced. The one thing that stopped me, you know, there's a lot of points where it felt like she was trying to fill in the blanks. And then there's a point where she starts talking. She's recalling the day that she finds out that they found Hay's body. Yeah. And she knows exactly, she's like, it was a Thursday night. I was here. She has very distinct markers as to like where she was, when it was. It's funny you just said that because. What she actually says is there was a news report that Hay's body was missing. Oh, it's that that section is I was gonna, the key for me. For yes. me, that section is the key. And it is a section I've heard before and, because and it has she been says, said that before. She says that. She's like, Well, I knew she was missing. And then he then the officer says, Well, you knew she was murdered. Oh yeah. Well, it's it, even mess. before that, what do you cause she says that was the day I found out her body was missing. And he's like, But you already knew she was murdered killed before oh yeah well i knew and then she again is like but that's the day i found like you start to catch like she doesn't have all this worked out in her mind mm-hmm. and she's making in 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 most cases what happens i we see a lot is when you're trying to concoct a story people they'll draw on some real memories and then try to use those to make you know it's like we talked about before like jay going to patapsco state park he probably did that with adnan one day and that's something they do when he picks him up from track practice and so he just adds that in even though he doesn't know it's impossible for the timeline so piecing that together my little hypothesis is that she probably was at a bar and saw that the report of hay being missing or or probably my guess is saw the report of them finding hay's body i would guess but now she's trying to make it so that she had this interaction with nicole back then so then that's when i found out that hay's body was missing like there's seven things wrong with that sentence right you know yeah, I, that's interesting that you would say that you thought there was a news report of them finding her. Because for me, it seemed more likely that it would be f- being surprised that Hay was missing, but needing to insert. Like, now you have this information from, like, across a timeline where you're surprised that she's missing and that she's being featured on the news. But you're also supposed to know at that point that she's been murdered. So suddenly her body is is part of it. So it's interesting. Yeah. Like, I've, I Wait, guess I feel... No confidence about what the actual news report would have been, only yeah, that it wasn't it, that her body was missing. And it, and it could go. That's why I said it's just kind of my my hypothesis that, because there's too many things wrong. Right? There's no world in any circumstance in her version of events that she would have ever been surprised. Right. That Hay was missing. Right. Ever because she yeah, obviously 100%. knew Hay was missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many little trips. Did it, did anybody else catch? I just told people to listen because you know she tells the story once and then the police have her go back through the story again. Did anybody else catch the major change in the story about when they went back to wipe the fingerprints off the shovels when she retold it? I didn't see any comments about it. I, I don't know if anybody changed. thought about me. Maybe not. I mean, I guess I thought that like it did it change by a full day or is it did it the, just change a little bit? No. In the first version, she says that she picked Jay up and they left and then they kind of circle back to the Westview Mall. They're having a conversation. They circle back for him to wipe the fingerprints off the shovel. When she retells it, she picks him up. They go to her friend's house off campus, and then they go to Christie's house. And then I, I don't remember the exact sequence of events, but like they go home. I think they stop at Stephanie's. Then they go to her friend's house off campus, and then before they go to Christie's house, then they go back to go wipe the fingerprints off the shovels. Because th- we know that most of what she's saying is the stuff Jay told her. Like just in general, she's like Jay said this happened, this happened, this happened. That stuff mm-hmm. doesn't like. She's just relaying what he said. So so who knows? You know, if Jay lied, then that doesn't necessarily mean she's lying about it. She's just saying what Jay said. There's only a few things that she says she actually experienced. And those were her interactions with Jay during the day, which she gets all wrong. 
well, one of them does. Th- those interactions about going to Jen's house earlier in the day, they don't get those versions right. And then when she picks him up and taking the, and the shovels, those are things she's saying that she actually experienced. And she gets those things all. Th- that's where the major conflicts are between her and Jay's stories already. And then you hear when you when you listen to it, and, and I, I don't know why I never caught it when I was reading the transcript, but even that, even the sequence of events of when they wipe down the shovels, when she's retelling it a few minutes later, it's a completely different story. It's not I picked him up and we swung back around and did it. It's no, we went to a couple of places and then, oh, yeah, then it was then it was after that. Then we went back to go mm. wipe the shovels. Down. But also she doesn't know if it was more than one shovel. Poor Jen. She never saw the shovel. What a right? mess. <laughs> shovel yeah. or shovels. What a mess. Yeah. So it's hard to oh. parse through. There were, and there was a lot of people that said that they thought like right away she's reading it. And I think she was at the beginning, right? So at the beginning when they're like, okay, tell us what you know. And she dot, 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 starts going through and saying what you know. Like when you read it in the transcript, it's like, that's so much information she's blurting out right away. Yeah. When you hear it, she clearly is reading something. But I also want to say that's not necessarily a nefarious thing. It's her second interview that day. What I would imagine happened, even with her lawyer there, that they like when she's giving the first interview, that they would be either her or they would be like taking notes about, okay, so what happened when now we need to go get this on the record, record it. And so I just want to say that I agree. I think she is reading at the beginning, but I don't necessarily think that's anything bad. It wouldn't it wouldn't be like crazy. I wouldn't be like that's corruption or whatever because she was interviewed earlier. But what I found really interesting is. When uh, Ritz or McGill, whoever it was, acts like they have no idea who Jay is. Mm-hmm. Now, not just because in our theory, right, they clearly do know who he was. And in Jay's own words, they'd been interviewing Jay for weeks because we have the handwritten notes from the other interview that they did before this where it has all the information about Jay in it. They already had all these conversations about Jay, where he works, all this stuff. And that was uh, somebody had had pointed out to me like in, in a previous episode, I had said. They know where Jay works. They go to Jay's work to pick him up after the interview with Jen. But I read through the transcript and Jen never says where Jay works. So how did they have that information? Hmm. Then somebody is like, oh, yes, they did. Look, and they, they point to the notes. And that's what kind of drew my attention to all this. Because in the interview, she never says where Jay works. But in the notes from the unrecorded interview, all this information about Jay is in there. So, yeah, she did say it when it wasn't recorded. It wasn't in the notes like I, or in the transcript, like I said. But then... Knowing that, go back and listen to Ritz going, oh, yeah, you've been talking about Jay. Who's Jay? Mm. Is he a black guy? Is he a white guy? What do we know about Jay? I have no idea who this Jay guy is. Like, he's fucking written on the paper. They already had all of that, that information. We know that for a fact. Yeah. That even if you believe Adnan's guilty and none of this is corrupt, we know for a fact that she's already shared all this information about Jay because it's in their notes before he's acting like he has no clue who Jay is. You know, it's funny. I, I, I'm, I was so confident that we all knew that they knew and that they knew that I just like accepted that almost like what you would do in a courtroom of being like, now you keep talking about Jay. Is that person here today? Or like, and what does that person look like? Like that they're like that they know, but that somehow it's part of what they feel like they need to do to establish exactly who Jay is. Like in my mind, it didn't even occur to me that that would be an attempt to try to act like you didn't know who Jay was. I gave him way too much credit and thought, well, of course, everyone knows that he knows who Jay is. So he's just doing this for like the record. So it's on the record that they're talking about the same or whatever. Yeah. For some reason, when I read it, I kind of took it that way. When I heard it, it seemed much more like acting like he wants the official record to indicate he does it. Because what you would expect if it was that was, 
okay, in our pre-interview, we t- you told us about Jay. So for the mm-hmm, record, yeah. can you put in what's his last name? Right. What does he look like? Where does he work? Stuff like that. But the whole, you keep talking about this Jay guy. Yeah. Who's Jay? We don't know. Is he a white guy? Is he a black guy? What do we uh, What do we know about Jay? Like when I heard it, I'm like, oh, well, this is freaking ridiculous. Yeah, that's uh, that's really silly. Well, I think we can, the three of us can sit here and just talk about this interview all day long, but we do need to get to the, I, I'm sure these questions will spur more yeah, conversation, they, they but, but so let's get right into those. Shout out to Jenna and some, uh, Alice, some other folks that were talking about the sort of the whole Hayes body being missing thing being just such a strange turn of phrase that keeps kind of coming up on over and over. And then uh, Sue had a, 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 also a similar observation that kept coming up for me, too. And I think it, it appears in other comments from people from the Facebook page as well, which is about this whole idea that Jen is like, by the way, I didn't even know that was Adnan's car until last night. Only last night did I find out that Jay had been driving Adnan's car. And like, there's just a lot of weird circular logic around the whole Adnan's car thing. And there's a point at which she says that she understood Hay to be in Adnan's car, but then also didn't know it was Adnan's car that Jay was driving. Like, there's just a lot of confusion around that, too, in, in, as far as like, well, wait, when, when would you have needed to know these things? And why aren't any of them lining up with the chronology of what actually would have had to happen and what your knowledge would have had to be? before last night, before the interview. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and to that point, so based on her statement on the day of the murder, she sees Jay, she describes the car he's driving. She doesn't, I don't know it's Adnan's car, but I see him driving his car. And then later that night, she's waiting at the mall. And then Adnan pulls up in that car with Jay. She talked to Adnan, Jay gets in the car and they leave. So if all that happened, then how did she just figure out last night that the car Jay was driving that day was Adnan's? And just to put on the record here, here's my overall read on this whole interview, especially hearing it rather than reading it. I think I cannot make any clearer. This is now I'm not saying this is what happened. This is just my take on this is that Jen didn't know shit about shit the night before after the police talked to her. She went and talked to Jay, which you know she acknowledges she went and talked to Jay. Jay acknowledged she went and talked to Jay that time. They went and had that conversation in that conversation. He tells her, I just need you to back me up on this. And he tells her a version of a story. You know, he tells her, you know, there was a, like, he showed me the body. We talked, we did this, we did this. And so Jen goes in, then the next day tells her mom, you know, Jay actually does know something about this. I need to talk to the police. They get the lawyer, they go do it. And then this interview to me is Jen thinking she's just going to come in and tell the story that Jay told her to tell. She can't remember all the right details, probably really unaware of how important some of these details are. And then the police start questioning her on things like they did make, you know, so that I do, in no world do I think the police fed Jen this story. I think Jay fed Jen this story and Jen is trying to get this out on the record and she's stumbling through it and she's confused and she hasn't had enough time to think through like how to make all the pieces fit. Right. Like, oh, I remember I was supposed to do this. I was supposed to do this. Just like what we were talking about a little bit ago with like going back and wiping the prints down. Jay tells her. You need to tell them that you took me to wipe my fingerprints off the shovels. And so she's like, okay. And she, the first time through, she, she, she throws that in. He picks me up. We go wipe the shovels down. Second time through, they say, okay, tell me what you did. I picked Jay up. We went from there. We went to, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I, the sequence is probably wrong. I'm just working off memory. But you know, example, 
Yeah, we went to Stephanie's house, and then we went to my friend's house, and then she remembers, uh, I'm supposed to say we go wipe the shovels down, but she doesn't even remember, because it's not a real memory, she doesn't remember where or when she said it happened the first time. So she's right. like, uh, so after we left his house, then we went and wiped the shovels down, then we went back to Christy's house. You know, So that's my take on this. This is Jen trying to relay a story that Jay told her. And she doesn't know. She hasn't had enough time to process. And and between the two of them, nobody has really thought about how things fit together. Example, the trip to Patapsco State Park, all the things that Jay says they did. Those don't fit. They make sense in his mind. They don't actually fit with the timeline and the call record. So that's what I think is going on here. And the Jen is, when she's just saying, this is what Jay told me, that's when, to me, she sounds truthful. Jay said that they went and did this, this, and this. and, And if they ask a question about that, well, where did they go after that? I don't know. I don't, you know, because she doesn't know. She only knows what Jay told her. Right. When she's trying to retell her experiences, she's jumbling it all up because they're not real memories, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's interesting when she she hits those points where she's sort of not willing to commit, but it's they don't even seem like key point. point. I don't know. Just like her unwillingness to be like, I do not remember who was driving when I right. went to pick up Jay. I can't remember yeah. if Jay was driving Adnan's car and Jay got out and then Adnan had to get out and get in to his side of the car to drive his own car home. Or uh-huh. if Adnan was just driving and he was there and he was driving his own car because you would. And then he got like, again, I, this, of course, this is all conjecture, but it is almost that she's like, well, let's see, Jay didn't tell me that part and I don't want to say the wrong thing. So I'm just going to say I don't know who was driving. Yeah. Like that'll, I think, that'll I protect think him. Some, I think there's some of that. And then I also think there in the, some of those instances, like I was talking about earlier, that there was a time where she met Jay and Adnan in a parking lot and Adnan got in the car. Cause, cause like to me, in my opinion, like in that, in that moment, that's one of the moments where I like, she's, she's trying to tell the truth about like her just meeting Jay and Adnan somewhere. Cause she's like, I don't remember who was driving. I think if like, if she was making up that story that, that she would be like, Oh no, Jay was driving or, but to me, like her just demeanor and stuff when she was in that, I feel like she was like, it seemed to me like she's trying to remember the time, a time when that happened. And genuinely doesn't remember who was driving or which side because it was an insignificant thing. It wasn't a night that anybody got murdered. Right. But it also could be the same thing that, yeah, she doesn't know what she's supposed to say. But the thing is, in those instances, it seems like she commits more. We went, yeah, we went and wiped the shovels down, like, and I parked here and he goes back and it's a pink dumpster or whatever it is. Like, the parts that, to me, seem like she's relaying what Jay told her to say, even though there's some of them are nonsensical, she commits much more to that than when those instances where she's drawing back to something that probably really could have happened. Yeah. Well, there's definitely a lot of of question around and Amber did a great post about this where she also referenced those those notes about the pre-interview. A lot of people just asking like is it normal to have an attorney present when you've agreed to admit that you have guilty knowledge about something that you could be, you know, considered obstructing justice and like that no one else says anything in the room at all. They just let you sort of flounder when you don't know something, but ultimately At the end of the day, you are saying like, yes, I 100% knew that this person had been murdered by this person. And I I just never said anything. I mean, that that really strikes a lot of people as strange. Even Brett and Alice acknowledge like that's it's weird. It doesn't make sense. It's odd. It's definitely odd. We've had tons of lawyers. Caroline in the chat, I'll be interested to see if she's if she's an attorney because she's saying not normal. (laughs) Uh, Like, like, I I don't know if that's just her her uh, her experience or if she's actually into but but uh, several attorneys on the page have said like, this is crazy. Like. The entire tape, there is 
no interjections. You'd never know there was whatsoever. a lawyer there. You'd never, ever no. know. If you didn't show that part or reveal that part and you just said, yep, this was just Jen by herself with the cops, people would be like, why didn't she have an attorney there? Yeah. And some people have said, and I've never looked up to verify this, that the attorney, like, it's not a criminal attorney. It's like a real estate attorney. And of course, we talked about before that that attorney, because it turns out, does live right down the road or in the same neighborhood as one of the detectives. So there's, of course, conspiracy theories that stem from that. I have no idea about any of that stuff. What I do know is, in a normal circumstance, I would expect a couple of things, things I've witnessed and other attorneys have told me you should expect. In a situation like this, where there could be some culpability, it would be, we have information about the murder. We can give you information about the murder. My client was not involved in the murder, but has information. But we're going to need an immunity agreement before we're going to say anything. So th- you would have expected that. Right. And that they would, every question, they would be advising, don't answer that. Never just sitting there silent like that. While she rambles on and on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, it's definitely not normal. Yeah. Speaking of these things that don't get followed up on, there's a ton and ton of people pointing out the various times that she says things that could or should have been corroborated by the person Mm -hmm. that she supposedly said it to, the person that she supposedly found out something from, etc. Caroline has is looking into and, and asking about this whole little sideline about Jen and talking to Lisa and knowing someone who found the body and that Lisa's husband works for Baltimore City Police. What is going on there? Well, here's the thing. For me to answer that, honestly, I, I, I for the people that are like, you're just being conspiratorial, that's just what it's going to sound like. If you think that in a case like this, in a case this week with all these problems in it, that when you're, a, a witness gives you three different people that you could corroborate her story with and you don't, the only explanation for that, in my opinion, is because they knew they wouldn't or they tried and it and failed and it didn't get put in there. Uh, I know like Chris Bakersfield was one like he was on the witness list. There's like a to-do list and I think they're like on there and checked off as though they were interviewed, uh, like a handwritten to-do list, but we have no interview from them. The fact that They had all these opportunities that could have corroborated things. I don't in any way think, in my opinion, that that is just incompetence. They didn't think of it. They didn't think of it. They ask her, like, what's her name? What's her phone number? How can we get a hold of her? Where does she work? Right. And then they just never do it. Like, to, to me, this all fits with the overarching theory that they know Jay's full of shit. They're using Jay. This all stemmed from them pressuring Jay and threatening Jay to get him to point the finger at Adnan. And they know that any attempt to corroborate this is going to go horribly wrong. So they just don't do it. Caroline also sort of from that point spins off like with this idea of and if that was a real conversation, is it possible that some information that they seem so shocked that Jen would know or that couldn't have known otherwise? Like, was it possible that Jen actually did have somebody in her life who did know maybe a little bit more? whether it's the mom that worked at the park or this person who works for the police, like that she could have been privy to information that she then sort of spits back out as if it's her knowledge or if it's it has something to do with Jay. It's very possible because in the handwritten notes from the pre-interview, it says Nicole told Jen she was strangled. When she retells that in the recorded interview, it's Nicole says that her mom found a body or maybe that was Lisa. No, I think it was it, somewhere with Nicole in there. But in the in the in the recorded version, Jen tells Nicole 
that all if she was strangled, it was it was hay. But in the pre-interview notes, it says that Nicole told Jen that she was strangled. Right. And then another thing that came up for a lot of people was the thinking that they heard tapping in this interview, maybe some indicating happening from someone. There's a tap, tap sound. Did you hear yeah, that? Yeah, I, I didn't. I was going to go, but I haven't had to, uh, in our pre-show, we talked about all the, the busyness of this week. But I want to go back because somebody also, and they had given me timestamps, said they heard whispering in the background. They can't make out what the whispers are saying. So mm-hmm. I, I also want to go back and see if I can parse that out and try to isolate the whisper to figure out what they're saying there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, let's put a pin in that because that is very, very interesting. The other thing that came up a lot is cameras. And, you know, in terms of corroborating, if we're hearing about these places, if we're hearing about, oh, Jen thinks that the Best Buy wouldn't be a good idea because of cameras. What about all these routes where cameras ever checked? In some cases, I know the argument has been made that, and rightly so, that they would be going to a place too late for there to even be footage left over because everything gets recorded over or whatever. But that's probably another, 90, yeah. Yeah, in 99, they probably, I would assume that most, but I mean, they could have certainly tried. Even even go back to, you know, a couple days in and Hayes missing. There's got to be, there's probably cameras on the school. There's probably, you know, cameras all over. We know for a fact there was cameras in the library. So I don't know why you, anybody would expect there weren't cameras on like the front doors. And, and these are things that the county, I think, missed early we're like okay she's missing let's see if we can find some some surveillance footage to get an idea of what direction she went if she left with anybody anything like that but yeah but i think by the time her body was found and it went to baltimore city was probably i mean i would still love to see an attempt because it all depends on policies yeah there's some places that you know they, they record over them every week or they record every month and some places that just keep them all the time banks for example you know if there's i don't know if there's any banks on the route that they could have checked out you know they'll keep them for longer so yeah Mm. but they didn't go looking for him right cheryl says can anyone remind me what time jay and anand were at the mall buying a gift for stephanie trying to figure out if it jives with the times jen says she was getting phone calls and or when she says jay came over that whole thing's a mess and that's what i was talking about earlier with like the first of all jen's story is she dropped her brother off at school in the morning but jay's story is that he's playing video games so in like Jay's version, he's playing video games with Mark and then Jen gets there and Jen's version, Jen was there. There's no Mark. Jen's there and Jay gets there late, you know, like, like not late, but he gets there after her. She's already there. So th- yeah, there, there's all the times are, are all wacky, like not, nothing like but the times when Jen's saying Jay's there, you see the phone over on the east side of town making phone calls. And she says she's there first. Jay says he's there first. Jay says he's playing video games with Mark. Jen says she dropped Mark off at school. There's like it it doesn't get better if you look closer. Right. A lot of people I'll just shout out Susan in the in the chat right now says she was stumbling about going to Stephanie's whisper whisper. Then she suddenly knew for sure they went to Stephanie's around 1536. So that could be a whisper moment. Yep. One that people are talking about. There are also a lot of questions from Jenna, from Laura, from Ellie, asking about Stephanie in general. You know, we've, we've talked about her a lot. Um, might want to circle back to just how little a role she seems to have ended up playing in all of this. Um, there are questions about the Jen and Jay relationship and whether or not that was broached with Stephanie. Um, was Stephanie at the party the weekend after Hay disappeared? Was that a place where all three of them were when we're hearing about Jay saying that he doesn't want Stephanie anywhere near Adnan anymore? A lot of stuff like that came up for people listening to this interview. The thing about Stephanie is, and I mentioned this way back when we were going through the timeline stuff, that we have like interview notes from Stephanie. 
from the interview with Stephanie. But weirdly, Stephanie didn't testify at trial. We have no recorded interview from Stephanie. So I have a hard time knowing these detectives the way they operate, even believing that she said what she said in the notes because she's one of the witnesses. We never actually hear anything out of her mouth. Thank Nisha, right? So like in the notes from the Nisha call, we have notes about what she said, about what time it was and things like that. But then she gets on the stand and we got to actually get to hear it or read it in her own words. And she's like, no, it was evening time. It was later. It was not at all what the interview notes had said. There's no one that said that Jay and and Adnan were good friends. Everybody says they were just acquaintances of some kind, that they they weren't that close. I'm trying to remember what else was in there. But we just, Stephanie's a huge black hole in the case. Like we don't know. And she's never spoken since then. Uh, As for, oh, the party. That's one of the things that Adnan has said. And other people have said that we're like in that friend group that, so Jay says, and Jen says that Jay wanted to keep Stephanie away from Adnan and, and because Adnan was going to hurt Stephanie if he, if he said anything, but Adnan, I believe it was that party on Friday, Stephanie rode to that party with Adnan. I don't remember if Jay was there or not, but that was one of the things people said, like if Jay was worried about Stephanie hanging around Adnan, then what, like he was riding in a car with her a couple days later and, and they went to the party together. Well, let's get into the conversation that I think a lot of us are hoping we'll have. Um, Zach, I know you had questions about it. Certainly like Naomi and Rachel and Sarah and Gretchen. A lot of folks had stuff to say about this ice storm that we have heard so much about coming in, rolling in on the 13th and making it really hard for people to do various routine things. But yet we have Jen talking about certain things that sound like she's just saying they're routine parts of her schedule or drives to get rid of clothing and stuff like that. Do you have thoughts on how practical it would be for life to continue as usual or for these things to happen that would need to happen, according to Jen, on the day of the ice storm or the day the days following the ice storm? Yeah. So the day of on the 13th, like the ice storm didn't roll in till middle of the night. So all that stuff's fine. The next day, when she says it was raining and we went out, look up the Baltimore ice storm in 1999 on YouTube, and you'll see that that's ridiculous. I believe it was declared a state of emergency. Everything it was like it was like freezing rain. It was like rain that was hitting and then coating like with a slick, slick ice. Like you'll see cars sliding down, piling into each other. Like you couldn't drive anywhere. The whole city was shut down. The idea that they're just cruising around the next day, getting rid of clothes and stuff. There's no way. And if they were. The version of that story would not be, yeah, it was raining that next day. Right. It was a disaster, literally, right. that yeah. next day. And in a state of emergency, uh, people were told not to be on the roads. They, they, they weren't supposed to drive unless it was an absolute emergency. That would be extremely memorable trying to drive around during that ice storm the next day. Right. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was an absolute disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I think that sort of reminds me, too, of just the general and, you know, again, I'm I am not a statement analyst and I am not uh, I, I understand that people speak and behave differently, all of that. But there just seems to be a level of casualness to all of this with Jen that, you know, just as an overhanging vibe to me feels like, God, it feels 
like just very casual to be talking about this. It feels as casual to be talking about even why you don't want to tell Hayes family or when you do decide to tell Hayes family. Mm -hmm. It feels just as like topical and almost bland as like trying to remember who was driving that night or like and i don't i don't believe that jen is like a sociopath you know what i mean i mean i just it just feels very casual including like she's telling about, a story that she knows isn't true i mean yeah, yeah. Uh, i do so it's, it's funny so in the chat um kmj says uh so people from minnesota and michigan would have even batted an eye at it but what's funny is so we actually had in a very similar storm a couple weeks ago we had freezing rain come in and it was the same type of thing ice everywhere and even us we shut down the school shut down businesses shut down the state of emergency was declared like like you were told not to be on the road yeah even here and we were used to driving in this shit yeah i do want to and we'll circle back if he responds but like grayson in the chat is when he's been he's been awesome he's he worked at woodlawn he knows a lot from the area he's made some indications here that he he was familiar with that storm Grayson, can you just pop in the chat and I'll and when you do, I'll 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 address it in a little bit. Your thoughts on anybody going out on that day? You were you lived through it, I believe. You were there on the 14th of January that year when the ice storm came in. So I'm curious to see what you think about the idea of them just going out and cruising around, running errands and throwing away the clothes and stuff then. So when, whenever Grayson gets back to us, he said, okay, he'll do that. We'll circle back to that. In the meantime, we can just go to the next question. Or if you have anything else to add. Well, you know what? I actually will just bring up Grayson's point in the Facebook chat as well. And I think he's not the only one who had some questions about this. Possibly even I think there was something in the live chat right now, which was just about the idea of Jen kind of, again, a little bit of a flip-flopping on the moment where she says, and then I just stopped and said, Jay, I'm not going to do anything until you tell me exactly what's going on versus other times where she doesn't want to impose or doesn't want to know more or some people have argued like having guilty knowledge is never good so why would you insist on knowing exactly what was going on about something that was a violent act that was a crime i don't know if i i i perfectly encapsulated your your question grayson but just this idea of insisting on being in on everything but then not really being in on it everything and well all it's of incongruous that. right like it like you can't reconcile them yeah you can't reconcile what she says at minute five with minute 10 and there's a lot of that in there and you know so like and i just made up those numbers by the way don't go to those timestamps looking for that yeah but you know yeah when she's just like i didn't want to know and then the next thing she's saying is i said you better tell me everything it's hard to reconcile those things together There's a moment when we're talking about phone calls and how communication is happening. Nick points out, how did Jen call Jay to tell him she was going to be staying a bit late because the pool was being worked on? She was at work and he doesn't have a pager or cell phone. Or did she know he already had Adnan's phone? And if so, where is that call on the call log? Yeah, again, none of that makes any sense, right? And where did Jay call her? Like, we don't have any calls to Jay's cell phone. But to be fair for that part, I believe she was really ambiguous about it right she was like i don't remember if i called if he called the pager did i call the pager did he call me i don't remember but somehow somehow we were able to relay back and forth that i was going to be later and he was gonna, like none of that to me more interesting and i, can, I wish i remember the name because i would shout him out here but somebody in the facebook group had pointed out that jen called adnan's cell phone and they're like how would she have adnan's cell phone number and she had said that i think she had said she got it off the caller id yeah, she talks about she's like, I either had it on my pager or, you know, my phone has caller ID. So I'm, I would have maybe been able to tell from that or something like that. 
Yeah, and it was just a weird thing because I was I went back and was looking like Jay didn't call her her home. He was always calling her pager until later in the afternoon. But I guess it would have been on the caller ID. But yeah, it was it was it was just interesting that she didn't know how she knew that number to call. Yeah, I feel so sorry for Jen. Speaking of, let's talk about present day Jen for a second. I don't know if you're prepared to do this or you want to do this, but Sam had said, can you discuss what Jen said on the HBO documentary? And we've talked about it before, but just in the context of this interview that we just listened to versus what she says in the HBO documentary, maybe one of the key points, and I remember you brought this up before, is that she's just like, I thought I was just saying what I'd heard or what Jay told me. Yeah, and that's that's a bit, it's almost like, it almost is like, Jen forgot the details of what she had said before. Yeah, because her recollection of it now, her real memory of how that went now was she said, I didn't think I mattered. I was only hearsay. I only, and I think, believe her exact words were, I've only, I only said what other people told me. Right. And it was interesting too that she didn't say, I only said what Jay told me. She said, you know, I only said or I only knew what other people told me. Maybe it's nothing. I hate to overanalyze everything, but as you always hear me say, words matter. Word choices matter. And it's interesting that in a flow of consciousness, right? So like she's not thinking this through. She's on the spot being interviewed that she used the plural. Doesn't say, I only knew what Jay told me. That's what I would expect to hear. But she said, I only knew what other people told me. Well, who could possibly be Hmm. the other people? Essentially, in her, in her HBO documentary, that's what she says. She's, and I think she says she doesn't even know what to believe anymore. She only knows what other people told her. She thought everything she said was hearsay. So that, that's what she said there. I do want to circle like Grayson did respond. And he said, I'll put it up here on the screen for the YouTube. But he said, there is no way they could have driven in that storm. You would have had your license for years to be able to drive in the ice storm need experience. So no, I don't think that happened. So it sounds like it was as bad as it seems like from the news and everything else. Like, there's no way they were just cruising around that day. So thank you, Grayson, for that. Yeah. A-R-I-C, you say you don't feel sorry for Jen. I get that, um, at least not at the moment. And and I know that there are other people who also feel, and I, I think it's true. I mean, I think it feels like she's distancing herself from the facts, whether that's her memory or whether that's just what she felt comfortable saying in the context of this documentary when the whole world has, you know, listened to this podcast, knows who she is knows that she played a part in Adnan going to prison. Um, Maybe what she felt comfortable copping to was like, I didn't know I mattered. Or, you know, there are definitely people on the Facebook page who asks, like, does anyone think that she can come cleaner than that? And would she? Uh, Who knows? She can. I mean, I have a hard time feeling, but I'm more likely to have sympathy for Jay than Jen because the, the way, and again, this is all in the context, if you believe, that Adnan didn't do this and this whole story is made up. In that case, you have Jay who's been pulled in as a black man in Baltimore. He's being threatened. He's kind of given no choice. Like, I can, I can see that. I can see a scared 19-year-old, like, doing what he's got to do. It's not excusable. But at the same time, I can, I can see feeling bad for him. I have, I have a harder time with Jen because she didn't have to be involved. There's the piece of it where it's like, well, you know, She's kind of a collateral damage of that same threat to Jay, where now she's trying to protect Jay. I get it, but it's but if that theory is correct, the theory that Adnan is actually innocent, none of this happened. Then Jen knew that, right? Then then Jen, Jen went in, and what she's saying, she knows she's lying, and she knows that her lies are going to send someone else to prison. But what if she thinks that Adnan absolutely did it? I mean, if Jay was told, 
we 100% know Adnan did this. So either, you know, or like, we know that you were involved or it was Adnan. And then Jay, you know, the same way that the teachers and the students were told by the cops, like, well, first of all, you can absolve yourself of the idea that Adnan is innocent. We have proof. He did do it. So everything you do and think and say from this point moving forward needs to be done with a full knowledge that he is guilty. He committed murder. So once once you've been told by authorities like this happened, this person did this or even your best friend saying, look, I know for a fact that this guy did this, but I'm in a lot of trouble. I need your help. Don't worry. They're getting the right guy. Then you're just the hero in your friend's life. Then you're just the one that's like, I'm making sure that the right person goes to prison by making sure my friend doesn't. Yeah. And to to clarify, I do believe that Jen believed Jay. Right. Right. Like, like, like I believe that, you know, when Jay's telling the story, I I think that when she came in there, at least at that point, Jay told her this stuff happened. And so she's believing what Jay told them. Like, and I think we see a very honest moment from her in that documentary where she's, where, where she's saying like, no, I don't think I, I don't think Jay would lie about that. I don't like I, th- I think that was probably an honest moment at, at that time. But then when I had the problem was like, OK, if that's the case and then go in and tell your truth. But then if you didn't take him to wipe shovels down and you didn't take him to throw clothes away, you know, if those things didn't happen and you're in your and you're actively lying, I get your point, too, that, OK, it's, it's all part of the think it's part of the greater good. But it doesn't really matter what we think about Jen, but it's it's an interesting conversation, I think. Well, and she was 19 and she had, you know, a parent and the police and a lawyer and like nobody. Yeah. Nobody helped. Yeah. The situation. Point. So yeah, I don't a know. Good point. 19 is real young. I just say that as a person who thought I was super mature and grown up when I was 19. And now I look back as we all do or many of us do and go, mm-hmm. oh, no, what a child. What a yeah. child. You know. Yep. That's about all I got. Awesome. We got all the way through them. And with that, I we're going to wrap this thing up because we've got to get going on getting this next week's episode out, which is Jay's first recorded interview. And I know this is one of a ton of people. I know everybody's really waiting for the second one, but we're going to get through this first one. And I'll acknowledge too, like there was, it's only a handful. But for those of you that are listening, that are like, why are these episodes coming out? Or, you know, why are we publishing the heaven? We already talked about these. First of all, you need to know that there are Lots and lots and lots of people that have been dying to hear these for eight years now. And then the comment was made by a couple people. Well, why are, well, they don't need to be episodes. Just put them out as bonus content. I hope that I explained that last week, but I'll explain it to you here again. We're doing it this way right now because we kind of had the the rug yanked out from underneath us with our next case. If I, if we had the next case that we were going to be doing, if we were still moving forward with that, then I probably would have just put these out. Probably still one a week because because that's our process, right? Is to take one piece at a time and focus in on. Like I want you guys to fully absorb everything Jen said before you then go through and listen to with in detail what Jay said in his first interview because that was the big claim, right? As far as the whole reply brief type series from the prosecutors is that the most damning evidence is Jay and Jen's first statements. Hmm. And so I want you to have a full grasp on her first statement and then have a full grasp on Jay's first statement and compare together and see how well those actually line up. But, you know, the reason they're just coming out as these Sunday's episodes right now is because look, to be very honest with you, like, like from a production standpoint, we've got to keep putting, putting these episodes out every week and I will never, ever waste your time. I try to put out stuff that is meaningful content. And when we had a, a case ready to roll and we're getting case docs and we're getting ready to, to go with it and they're like, oops, you got to wait a couple months because the innocence organization needs to look at it first. It's not like, we're like, okay, cool. We'll just do this other case. Like it's a whole process that we right. have to go through to get another one ready 
And so that's why you know, we're putting them out as the Sunday episodes while we're working very hard behind the scenes to try to get another case up and running so we're ready to go so there's not a delay. So I just wanted to address that because a couple of people mentioned it. So I want to make sure you know if I haven't responded to you, like, I hear you. That's the explanation. If you're not okay with that, you're just not okay with that. But it is what it is. And and if you're like, the, for the people that are just like, we've this case has been done to death, nobody cares, you're so wrong. Tens and tens of thousands of people care and want to hear this. And so for them, they're getting it. And with that being said, Janet, unless you have anything else, I think we can wrap this thing up. No, I'm good. All right. Then make sure you tune in on Sunday for Jay's first recorded interview. And then we'll be starting to break that down and compare the two next week. We'll talk to you guys then. Great. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. That's right, Zach. Goodbye. (laughs) Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production. All music for the show is created and composed by Shane Yoder at PutThemInASong.com. The font you see on all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com designed, created, manages, and maintains our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our volunteer transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Courtney Wimberly, Erica Cantor, Melissa Cardenas, Kaywood Yomnik, and Danielle Rohr. And as always, thank you to all of you for your engagement and your support. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that in a number of ways. The number one way for you to support our work is to become a patron at patreon.com slash truthandjustice. If you join our Patreon, not only will you be financially supporting our work, but you'll also get something for your pledge. For just $5 per month, you'll get all episodes ad-free and also a video version of the Friday follow-ups that include an hour-long pre-show chat exclusive to our patrons. Other levels will get you a Truth and Justice Army t-shirt, Truth and Justice hats, and even the opportunity to co-host a Friday follow-up episode. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice to sign up. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. It doesn't cost you a penny, and it goes a long way towards making the show more visible. If you have a case that you'd like us to consider covering, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram, or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth, Janet can be found at Janet Barney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. Hang on, before you ask the next question, this yep. is terrible, but I drink that Celsius and I, I have to pee again. <laughs> um, and it's it's not an emergency now, but it will be when it gets to a pretty important part. Uh-huh. You can, just talk amongst yourselves.